Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 46 to 47. And in the previous episode we read chapters 44 to 45. And they had finally reached the Hubbard Glacier where they were able to meet uh, Thanatos. Thanatos was mostly described as basically another version of Cupid for he was very, very handsome and very, very... Uh, good-looking, as described by the trio. And after their conversation with him, he had said uh, only the fire of... He had mentioned a riddle that that said, only the fire of life can free me from these chains. And he had also given a disclaimer to the trio that if you free me, I won't be fair. Because there is no fairness in you know, death. So he said, if you guys release me, then you cannot get upset with the results because you are, you have to prepare yourselves for whatever, whatever happens will happen because that's just how it works. The trio had accepted that. And especially Frank, who, dis- who had realized after really, after hearing the riddle that it was himself that he must sacrifice because, um, Frank, you know, with his burning, with his tinder, if that tinder burns, which is technically the fire of life, because that fire determines Frank's life, if, um, you know, that tinder is the one thing that determines Frank from, you know, staying alive, so we'll have to see what exactly happens, what, whether Frank will stay alive, uh, whether Hazel will stay alive, well, whether Percy, well, whether all of them will stay alive uh, against Alcyonius and to see how this goes, how this fares out. So now we're going to read chapter 46, Frank. Frank unwrapped the firewood and knelt at the feet of Thanatos. He was aware of Percy standing over him, swinging his sword and yelling in defiance as the ghosts closed in. He heard the giant bellow and Arian whinny angrily, but he didn't dare look. His hands trembling, he held his piece of tinder next to the chains on Death's right leg. He thought about flames, and instantly the wood blazed. Horrible warmth spread through Frank's body. The icy metal began to melt. The flame so bright was more blinding than the ice. Good, Thando said. Very good, Frank Zank. Frank had heard about people's lives flashing before their eyes, but now he experienced it literally. He saw, he saw his mother the day she left for Afghanistan. She smiled and hugged him. He tried to breathe in her jasmine scent so he'd never forget it. I will always be proud of you, Frank, she said. Someday you'll travel even farther than I. You'll bring our family full circle. Years from now, our descendants will be telling stories about the hero, Frank Zhang. Their great, great, great... She poked him in the belly for old time's sake. It would be the last time Frank smiled for months. He saw himself at the picnic bench in Moose Pass, watching the stars in the northern lights as Hazel snored softly beside him. Percy saying, Frank, you are a leader. We need you. He saw Percy disappearing into the muskeg then Hazel diving after him. Frank remembered how alone he had felt holding on to the bow, how utterly powerless 
He had pleaded with the Olympian gods, even Mars, to help his friends, but he knew they were beyond the gods' reach. With a clank, the first chain broke. Quickly, Frank stabbed the firewood at the chain of Death's other leg. He risked a glance over his shoulder. Percy was fighting like a whirlwind. In fact, he was a whirlwind. A miniature hurricane of water and ice vapor churned around him as he waded through the enemy, knocking Roman ghosts away, deflecting arrows and spears. Since when did he have that power? He moved through the enemy lines, and even though he seemed to be leaving Frank undefended, the enemy was completely focused on Percy. Frank wasn't sure why. Then he saw Percy's goals. One of the black, vapory ghosts was wearing the lion's skin cape of a standard bear and holding a pole with a golden eagle, icicles frozen to its wings, the legion standard. Frank watched as Percy plowed through a line of legionnaires, scattering their shields with his personal cyclone. He knocked down the standard bearer and grabbed the eagle. You want it back? shouted the ghost. Come get it! He drew them away, and Frank couldn't help being awed by his bold strategy. As much as those shades wanted to keep Thanatos chained, they were Roman spirits. Their minds were fuzzy at best, like the ghosts Frank had seen in Asphodel. But they remembered one thing clearly. They were supposed to protect their eagle. Still, Percy couldn't fight off that many enemies forever. Maintaining a storm like that had to be difficult. Despite the cold, his face was already beaded with sweat. Frank looked for Hazel. He couldn't see her or the giant. Watch your fire, boy, Death warned. You don't have any to waste. Frank cursed. He'd gone so distracted he hadn't noticed the second chain had melted. He moved his fire to the shackles on the god's right hand. The piece of tinder was almost half gone now. Frank started to shiver. More images flashed through his mind. He saw Mars sitting at his grandmother's bedside, looking at Frank with those nuclear explosion eyes. Your Juno's secret weapon. Have you figured out your gift yet? He heard his mother say, You can be anything. Then he saw grandmother's stern face, her skin as thin as rice paper, her white hair spread across her pillow. Yes, Fai Zhang, your mother was not simply boosting your self-esteem. She was telling you the literal truth. He thought of the grizzly bear his mother had intercepted at the edge of the woods. He thought of the large black birds circling over the flames of their family mansion. The third chain snapped. Frank thrust the tinder, tinder at the last shackle. His body was racked with pain. Yellow splotches danced in his eyes. He saw Percy at the end of the Via Principalis, holding off the army of ghosts. He'd overturned the chariot and destroyed several buildings, but every time he threw off a wave of attackers in his hurricane, the ghosts simply got up and charged again. Every time Percy slashed one of them down with his sword, the ghost reformed immediately. Percy had backed up almost as far as he could go. Behind him was the side gate of the camp, and about 20 feet beyond that, the edge of the glacier. As for Hazel, she and Alcyonius had managed to destroy most of the barracks in their battle. Now they were fighting in the wreckage at the main gate. Arian was playing a dangerous game of tag charging around the giant while Alcyonius swiped at them with his staff, knocking over walls and cleaving massive chasms in the ice. Only Arian's speed kept them alive. Finally, Death's last chain snapped. 
With a desperate yelp, Frank jabbed his firewood into a pile of snow and extinguished the flame. His pain faded. He was still alive, but when he took out the piece of tinder, it was no more than a stub. Smaller than a candy bar. Thanatos raised his arms. Free, he said with satisfaction. Great. Frank blinked those spots from his eyes. Then do something. Thanatos gave him a calm smile. Do something. Of course, I will watch. Those who die in this battle will stay dead. Thanks, Frank muttered, slipping his firewood into his coat. Very helpful. You're most welcome, Thanatos said agreeably. Percy, Frank yelled. They can die now. Percy nodded understanding, but he looked worn out. His hurricane was slowing down. His strikes were getting slower. The entire ghostly army had him surrounded, gradually forcing him toward the edge of the glacier. Frank drew his bow to help, then he dropped it. Normal arrows from a hunting store in Seward wouldn't do any good. Frank would have to use his gift. He thought he understood his powers at last. Something about watching the firewood burn, smelling the acrid smoke of his own life, had made him feel strangely confident. Is it fair your life burns so short and bright? Death had asked. No such thing as fair, Frank told himself. If I'm going to burn, it might as well be bright. He took one step toward Percy. Then from across the camp, Hazel yelled in pain. Arian screamed as the giant got a lucky shot. His staff sent horse and rider tumbling over the ice, crashing into the ramparts. Hazel! Frank glanced back at Percy, wishing he had a spear. If he could just summon Gray. But he couldn't be in two places at once. Go help her! Percy yelled, holding the golden eagle aloft. I've got these guys. Percy didn't have them. Frank knew that. The son of Poseidon was about to be overwhelmed, but Frank ran to Hazel's aid. She was half buried in a collapsed pile of snow bricks. Arian stood over her, trying to protect her, rearing and swatting at the giant with her his front hooves. The giant laughed. Hello, little pony. You want to play? Alcyonius raised his icy staff. Frank was too far away to help, but he imagined himself rushing forward, his feet leaving the ground. Be anything. He remembered the bald eagle they'd seen on the train ride. His body became smaller and lighter. His arms stretched into wings and his sight became a thousand times sharper. He soared upward, then dove at the giant with his talons extended, his razor-sharp claws at raking across the giant's eyes. Alcyonius bellowed in pain. He staggered backward as Frank landed in front of Hazel and returned to his normal form. Frank. She stared at him in amazement, a cap of snow dripping off her head. What just... How did... Fool! Alcyonius shouted. His face was slashed, black oil dripping into his eyes instead of blood, but the wounds were already closing. I am immortal in my homeland, Frank Zhang. And thanks to your friend Hazel, my new homeland is Alaska. You cannot kill me here. We'll see, Frank said. Power coursed through his arms and legs. Hazel, get back on your horse. The giant charged and Frank charged to meet him. He remembered the bear he met face to face when he was a child. As he ran, his body became heavier, thicker, rippling with muscles. He crashed into the giant as a full-grown grizzly. A thousand pounds of pure force. He was so small compared to Alcyonius, but he slammed into the giant with such momentum, Alcyonius toppled into an icy watchtower that collapsed on top of him. 
Frank sprang at the giant's head. A swipe of his claw was like a heavyweight fighter swinging a chainsaw. Frank bashed the giant's face back and forth until his metallic features began to dent. The giant mumbled in the stupor. Frank changed to his regular form. His backpack was still with him. He grabbed the rope he bought in Seward, quickly made a noose, and fastened it around the giant's scaly dragon foot. Hazel, here! He tossed her the other end of the rope. I've got an idea, but we'll have to... Kill... Uh... You... Uh... Alcyonius muttered. Frank ran to the giant's head, picked up the nearest heavy object he could find, a legion shield, and slammed it into the giant's nose. The giant said, Frank looked back at Hazel. How far can Arian pull this guy? Hazel just stared at him. You, you are a bird, then a bear. I'll explain later, Frank said. We need to drag this guy inland as fast as... And far as we can. But Percy, Hazel said. Frank cursed. How could he have forgotten? Through the ruins of the camp, he saw Percy with his back to the edge of the cliff. His hurricane was gone. He held Riptide in one hand and the Legion's Golden Eagle in the other. The entire army of shades edged forward, their weapons bristling. Percy, Frank yelled. Percy glanced over. He saw the fallen giant and seemed to understand what was happening. He yelled something that was lost in the wind. Probably, go! Then he slammed Riptide into the ice at his feet. The entire glacier shuddered. Ghosts fell to their knees. Behind Percy, a wave surged up from the bay. A wall of gray water even taller than the glacier. Water shot from the chasms and crevices of the, in the ice. As the wave hit, the back half of the camp crumbled. The entire edge of the glacier peeled away, cascading into the void. Carrying buildings, ghosts and Percy Jackson over the edge. And that's the end of chapter 46. Wow, what a chapter. I'm so glad that Frank was, you know, able to discover what his truly hidden talent was and that's shape-shifting. He's able to shape-shift into, as of the moment, as of we know now, he's able to say shape-shift into any animal he wants to if he has a clear vision of it, which is amazing because he can just adapt any animal's heightened sense and that would be able to help him beat any of these monsters so i think that's going to help him a lot in this uh in this fight against alcyonius and the ghost army so we'll have to see how this fares off and yeah that maybe that's why everybody has been saying you know frank that he has a really strong power he just didn't find it yet now that he found it, I ha- I have no doubt in my mind that the trio is going to be much more powerful. So after the break, we'll read chapter 47. I hope my pronunciations are doing well uh, around this time. But yeah, after the break, we'll, re- we'll read chapter 40, uh, 47. See you then. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
And we're back from the ads. And now we're going to read chapter 47. Frank. Frank was so stunned that Hazel had to yell his name a dozen times before he realized Alcyonius was getting up again. He slammed his shield into the giant's nose until Alcyonius began to snore. Meanwhile, the glacier kept crumbling, the edge getting closer and closer. Thantos glided toward them on his black wings, his expression serene. Ah, yes, he said with satisfaction. There go some souls, drowning, drowning. You'd best hurry, my friends, or you'll drown too. But Percy, Frank could barely speak his friend's name. Is he? Too soon to tell. As for this one, Santos looked down at Alcyonius with distaste. You'll never kill him here. You know what to do? Frank nodded mumbly, numbly. I, I think so. Then our business is complete. Frank and Hazel exchanged nervous looks. Um, Hazel faltered. Y- you mean you won't? You're not going to... Claim your life? Thantos asked. Well, let's see. He pulled a pure black iPad from thin air. Death tapped the screen a few times, and all Frank could think was, please let there be a... Please don't let there be an app for reaping souls. Hmm, I don't see you on the list, Thantos said. Pluto gives me specific orders for escaped souls, you see. For some reason, he has not issued a warrant for yours. Perhaps he feels your life is not finished. Or it could be an oversight. If you'd like me to call and ask... No! Hazel yelped. That's okay. Are you sure? The death asked helpfully. I have video conferencing enabled. I have his Skype address here somewhere. Really? No. Hazel looked as if several thousand pounds of worry had just lifted from her shoulders. Thank you. Frank Alcyonius mumbled. Frank hit him over the head again. Death looked up from his iPad. As for you, Frank Zhang, it isn't your time either. You've got a little fuel left to burn, but don't think I'm doing either you, either of you a favor. We will meet again under less pleasant circumstances. The cliff was still crumbling, the edge only 20 feet away now. Arian whinnied impatiently. Frank knew they had to leave, but there was one more question he had to ask. What about the doors of death? He said. Where are they? How do we close them? Ah, yes. A look of irritation flickered across Santos's face. The doors of me. Closing them would be good, but I fear it is beyond my power. How you would do it? I haven't the faintest idea. I can't tell you exactly where they are. The location isn't... Well, it's not entirely a physical place. They must be located through questing. I can tell you to start your search in Rome. The original Rome. You'll need a special guide. Only one sort of demigod can read the signs that ultimately lead you to the doors of me. Cracks appeared in the ice under their feet. Hazel patted Arian's neck to keep him from bolting. What about my brother? She asked. Is Nico alive? Dantos gave her a strange look. Possibly pity, though that didn't seem like an emotion death would understand. You'll find the answer in Rome. Now I must fly south to your Camp Jupiter. I have a feeling there will be many souls to reap very soon. Farewell, demigods, until we meet again. Thanatos dissipated into black smoke. The cracks widened in the ice under Frank's feet. Hurry, he told Hazel. We've got to take Alcyonis about ten miles due north. He climbed onto the giant's chest and Arian took off, racing across the ice, dragging Alcyonis like the world's ugliest sled. It was a short trip. 
Aaron rode the glacier like a highway, zipping across the ice, leaping crevices, and skidding down slopes that would have made a snowboarder's eyes light up. Frank didn't have to knock out Alcyonius too many times, because the giant's head kept bouncing and hitting the ice. As they raced along, the half-conscious golden boy mumbled a tune that sounded like jingle bells. Frank felt pretty stunned himself. He'd just turned into an eagle and a bear. He could still feel fluid energy ripping through his, rippling through his body, like he was halfway between a solid and a liquid state. Not only that, Hazel and he had released death, and both of them had survived. And Percy? Frank swallowed down his fear. Percy had gone over to the side. Percy had gone over the side of the glacier to save them. The son of Neptune shall drown. No, Frank refused to believe Percy was dead. They hadn't come all this way just to lose their friend. Frank would find him, but first they had to deal with Alcyonius. He visualized the map he'd been studying on the train from Anchorage. He knew roughly where they were going, but there were no signs or markers on top of the glacier. He'd just have to take his best guess. Finally, Arian zoomed between two mountains into a valley of ice and rocks, like a massive bowl of frozen milk with bits of cocoa puffs. The giant's golden skin paled as if it were run- turning to brass. Frank felt a subtle vibration in his own body, like a tuning fork pressed against his sternum. He knew he'd crossed into friendly territory. Home territory. Here, Frank shouted. Aaron veered to one side. Hazel cut the rope and Alcyonis went skidding past. Frank leaped off just before the giant slammed into a boulder. Immediately, Alcyonis jumped to his feet. What? Where? Who? His nose was bent in an odd direction. His wounds had healed, though his golden skin had lost some of its luster. He looked around for his iron staff, which was still back at Hubbard Glacier. Then he gave up and pounded the nearest boulder to pieces with his fist. You dare take me for a sleigh ride? He tensed and sniffed the air. That smell, like snuffed out snow souls. Thanatos is free, eh? It doesn't matter. Gaia still controls the doors of death. Now why have you brought me here, son of Mars? To kill you, Frank said. Next question. The giant's eyes narrowed. I've never known a child of Mars who can change his form, but that doesn't mean you can defeat me. Do you think your stupid soldier of a father gave you the strength to face me in one-on-one combat? Hazel drew her sword. What how about two-on-one? The giant growled and charged at Hazel, but Arian nimbly darted out of the way. Hazel slashed her sword across the back of the giant's calf. Black oil spouted from the wound. Alcyonius stumbled. You can't kill me, Thanatos, or no? Hazel made a grabbing gesture with her free hand. An invisible force yanked the jewel, giant's jewel-encrusted hair backward. Hazel rushed in, slashed his other leg, and raced away before he could regain his balance. Stop that! Alcyonius shouted. This is Alaska. I am immortal in my homeland. Actually, Frank said. I got some, I have some bad news about that. See, I got more than my dad, than strength. The giant snarled. What are you talking about, war brat? Tactics, Frank said. That's my gift from Mars. Battle can be won before it's ever fought by choosing the right ground. He pointed over his shoulder. We crossed the border a few hundred yards back. You're not in Alaska anymore. 
Can't you feel it now? You want to get to Alaska. You have to go through me. Slowly understanding dawned in the giant's eyes. He looked down incredulously at his wounded legs. Oil still poured from his calves, turning the ice black. Impossible! The giant bellowed. I'll... He charged at Frank, determined to reach the international boundary. For a split second, Frank doubted his plan. If he couldn't use his gift again, he froze. If he froze, he was dead. Then he remembered his grandmother's instructions. It helps if you know the creature well. Check! It also helps if you are in a life-and-death situation, such as combat. Double check! The giant kept coming. 20 yards? 10 yards? Frank? Hazel called nervously. Frank stood his ground. I got this. Just before Alcyonia smashed into him, Frank changed. He always felt too big and clumsy. Now he used that feeling. His body swelled to massive size. His skin thickened. His arms changed to stout front legs. His mouth grew tusks and his nose elongated. He became the animal he knew best. The one he cared for, fed, bathed, and even given indigestion to it at Camp Jupiter. Alcyonia slammed into a full-grown ten-ton elephant. The giant staggered sideways. He screamed in frustration and slammed into Frank again. But Alcyonius was completely out of his weight division. Frank headbutted him so hard, Alcyonius flew backward and landed spread-eagled on the ice. You can't kill me, Alcyonius growled. You can't... Frank turned back to his normal form. He walked up to the giant, whose oily wounds were steaming. The gems fell out of his hair and sizzled in the snow. His golden skin began to corrode, breaking into chunks. Hazel dismounted and stood next to Frank, their sword ready. May I? Frank nodded. He looked into the giant's seething eyes. Here's a tip, Alcyonius. Next time you choose the biggest state for your home, don't set up base in, that p- in the part that's only ten miles wide. Welcome to Canada, idiot. Hazel's sword came down on the giant's neck. Alcyonius dissolved in a po- into a pile of very expensive rocks. For a while, Hazel and Frank stood together, watching the remains of the giant melt into the ice. Frank picked up his rope. An elephant? Hazel asked. Frank asked scratch his neck. Yeah, it seemed like a good idea. He couldn't read her expression. He was afraid he'd finally done something so weird that she'd never want to be around him again. Frank Zang, lumbering klutz, child of Mars, part-time... Pachyderm? 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 We'll just... Pachyderm. Then she kissed him. A real kiss on the lips. Much better than the kind of kiss she'd given Percy on the airplane. You are amazing, she said. And you make a very handsome elephant. Frank felt so flustered that he thought his boots might melt through the ice. Before he could say anything, a voice echoed across the valley. You haven't won. Frank looked up. Shadows were shifting across the nearest mountain, forming the face of a sleeping woman. You will never reach home in time, taunted the voice of Gaia. Even now, Thanatos is attending the death of Camp Jupiter, the final destruction of your Roman friends. The mountain rumbled as if the whole earth were laughing. The shadows disappeared. Hazel and Frank looked at each other. 
Neither said a word. They climbed onto Arian and sped back toward Glacier Bay. And that's the end of chapter 47. Wow, that was definitely a awesome chapter to look at. I'm really glad that they were able to, you know, find a loophole out of that. And it's really, it, it's kind of, they, it, it's a really lucky thing that, you know, Hubbard Glacier was really close to Canada because that was, you know, that coming up with that plan was probably a really, well, it, it, it was a really smart plan. And I think I really, that's probably one of the best plans I've ever seen Frank do when it came to like real life combat against monsters, unless that was his only one by far. But anyways, it was a extremely well thought out plan. And, you know, he definitely deserves credit for that. And I'm really glad he was able to destroy the one thing that had been ma making Hazel feel so guilty about, you know, starting all of this. She, you know, she, throughout her entire, you know, the first part of her life, or second part of her life, she thought she was responsible for getting Alcyonius to be born again. But, you know, killing him again was able to give that reassurance to him, to her that, you know, maybe all of this can get over with you know once maybe they do have a chance against Gaia hopefully they will and maybe if they combine the two camps together which I hope happens then they'll probably have a chance at beating Gaia, beating Gaia. so next week we'll read chapters uh 40 40 40 I believe 40 48 to 49 and see how exactly what happens to Percy and what's the reaction that he's going to give after, you know, falling into the edge of the ice? What are his feelings about it? Is he probably going to be mad? Maybe a teeny little. But that's all for next week. And if you guys enjoyed this podcast and this episode as a whole, um, you know, I well, first of all, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you like, if you really like it and you want to give some support, then you can go to the Patreon that is uh, linked in the bio of the description of this uh, bio of this podcast or description of this podcast um but that's totally optional not uh, not forcing it on anybody um but if you guys want to do that go ahead thank you for that and also thank you for listening to this podcast i hope i did justice right to my pronunciations this time and i'll keep working on them so until the next week stay safe and stay out of boredom